This is the Uncovered Dish Christian Leadership Podcast. The podcast that uncovers stories, equips leaders, and changes the world. And we are your hosts, James Lee. And Eric Drew. Eric, it is very strange for me to be back here in the studio. I know, James. We haven't seen you here in the office for a little while. Give us an update. What are you up to these days? So as of July 1st of this year, I began serving as the lead pastor of Wesley United Methodist Church in South Plainfield. It has been something that God has placed in my heart, and I decided to move forward with it. And I said goodbye to the Mission and Resource Center, working here as a manager of visual arts uh, at the end of June. And it has been amazing. It has been an amazing uh, blessing to my family. We have been welcomed in by the community. And God is doing amazing things in South Plainfield. So it's been a blessing to be a part of that church. Well, we miss you. And we're uh, so excited to have Brent Donaway on the team. Brent really wanted to restart and relaunch the Uncovered Dish podcast and asked me to just come by and uh, host for another episode, maybe two. Since you left, I'm doing something new. Yes, you were the director of worship when I left. You are now the executive director of Next Generation Ministries. Congratulations. Thanks. It's uh, it's an exciting time. Yeah, that's that's an amazing move. I know you're a great fit. I knew that's what you were called to do, so I'm excited. The next generation of disciples will be the ones to lead us into the future of the church and the mission of Jesus Christ. And we've seen that over the past five years at the Ignite Conference. I got to say, as a pastor of a local church, it was amazing bringing my youth to Ignite and see it from that perspective. And witnessing life change is just an amazing conference. And I love that the conference is really investing in youth ministry, because the reality is most of our churches are still struggling to do youth ministry well. Yeah, so, you know, Ignite Youth Leader Day launched out of an idea at Ignite 2016. We grew by hundreds of people and we said, wow, how can we help our churches to be engaging and connecting with the youth in even more? That's when we started this year. Replenish is our theme. And we'll see hundreds of youth leaders come out to learn, to be connected to one another for kind of spiritual development and resourcing. It's going to be an amazing day this year. So uh, today uh, we have a very special guest with us. She is the Reverend Akila Lagande, an enthusiastic speaker and coach with a passion for today's generation of youth, women, and leaders. Uh, she currently serves on the executive board of Gen On Ministries, an organization dedicated to intergenerational relationships. Uh, Akila, we're so excited that you are here joining us on the podcast. Hey, I'm so excited to do this and to talk to you guys today. Awesome. Hey, Akila, tell us the story of how you were called to ministry. Oh, wow. Um, so I grew up in Dayton, Ohio. Um, I won't tell you how old I am, but um, back in the 90s, <laughs> uh, back in the 90s, there uh, we got a, a new pastor at my church. And um, he kind of changed the way that I saw church and understood um, what it meant to be a Christian and what it meant to serve. Um, I grew up, like I said, in Dayton. It was a Baptist church. It was an older Baptist church. So there were about 25 members in that church. My grandmother and my mom and my sister or her sisters and my uncle grew up in the same church. So I'm the I'm still the church baby at like 40 years old. I'm still the church baby. <laughs> Um, what was that, 21? I heard 22? That's right, 2022 20 plus 20 is how old I would be. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I grew up in this in this amazing Baptist church, but they were um, they didn't really see themselves like as a part of the, the larger community until this new pastor came. 
And mm. he was a young guy, came with a young wife, he had kids. And he was the first pastor that I saw that I could understand. <laughs> uh, and that I saw who had kids and like was really engaging. And so kind of from my middle school years until today, um, he's kind of led me and guided me and, and mentored me. Um, and so I came into ministry really by watching him and kind of falling in love with church all over again when I really understood what church meant and what it meant to kind of live out this faith in, in the world. Awesome. Wonderful. Tell us a little bit more about um, the different roles that you played and how you got into doing this full time, if you will, becoming an ordained clergy. Yeah, I still don't know. I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> Amen. I don't know how I got here. I'm just here. <laughs> Yeah, I, I went to a, a, a Presbyterian college in Worcester, Ohio. And uh, as a Baptist girl, I went there because my pastor went there and his wife went there and they thought it's a great school. It's closer to home than California. So you should go. And um, I mean, just, I had no idea what was coming ahead in college. And Around my senior year, I found myself really hungry for um, things like introduction to the Bible and um, <laughs> um, you know, like biblical history kind of things. And I was like, what's going on right now? But there's this weird, this sense inside of me that said, you need to know more. You know, I came back to school and applied to McCormick Seminary in Chicago, and they were crazy enough to accept me. So um, I went and... While I was there, I had an advisor who um, said, you know, I think you'd be great at, in the Presbyterian church. And um, I was like, no, I'm a Baptist girl. I'm going to stay in the Baptist church forever. And uh, <laughs> he just, you know, kept loving me and, and talking about PCUSA and uh, got a summer job at a Presbyterian church. It was in New York City and I'd never been here. I have no friends here. I have no family here. But I thought, why not go to a place where you have no friends and no family? Why not? It's for a summer. It'll be fine. And I came and kind of fell in love with it a little bit, but never saw myself like living here. Um, so I did that that summer. I came back to seminary. I graduated from seminary. And my father said, you know, you should reach out to that church in New York. And I thought, dude, you are nuts. I am not living in New York. And, um, and plus, they probably already found somebody. But surprisingly, they did not. I know now that that was a move of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I got in at the last minute to be interviewed for their youth leader position. The woman that I worked for during the summer remembered me and got me got me on the list to get an interview. And I did. And it worked out. And I thought, I'll be here for five years. And I stayed at that church for 12 years. Wow. And what church is this? This is First Presbyterian in Jamaica, in Jamaica, Queens. I think it's so powerful that you were a youth leader for 12 years, uh, considering our next question, which is about a blog post that you wrote. Ah. <laughs> yeah, so in your blog post titled Replenishing Your Soul, Reflect, Pause, Listen, and Live, you talk about how a youth leader's job is not to save a child. Yeah. <laughs> you say that that's the collective work of parents, guardians, families, church members, pastors, teachers, and the community to nurture the life of a child. Yeah. Tell us more. So my first week working at this wonderful church, I went to the office, sitting there, and the phone rings. It was a mom who said, are you the new youth pastor? I said, uh, I think so. Yeah, I am. And she's, oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that we have youth pastor in there now. Okay, my daughter is 15, and um, you really need to call and talk to her. 
Like, I'm going to give you her number. You don't know her. You don't know me. But you're going to call her and you're going to tell her to come to church because I don't know what she's doing in school. I don't know what I don't know who her friends are. And I need for you to save her. And this was my first week. And I was like, I don't remember this in the job description that I could actually save people. That's a pretty cool superpower. But I'm sure that I can't save your daughter. And she just insisted that I call her daughter. So I called her and um, the daughter was not happy. She was uh, 15 and she was like, why are you calling me? I told my mom I didn't want to go church. I told her not to contact you and I'm not coming and I'm not showing up. And that mom just pressed and pressed and pressed and pressed for weeks until her daughter showed up in a terrible, uh, terrible attitude. Um, didn't want to be there, sat in youth group with her arms folded, but she was made to. And surprisingly, I didn't save that girl. And um, she wasn't the only one, but there were other parents who came and said, if you could just get my son or get my daughter to show up to youth group, I know you can fix them. I know you can save them. I know you can make it right. Um, and so, you know, when I, when I wrote that in the blog post, those are the stories that were sticking out in my head of like parents and even sometimes the church thinking, if we can just get our kids into youth group and they can play enough games and they can have enough fun then we can save them. Um, but it's not the youth pastor's job to, it's no, nobody but Jesus can save anybody, right? But there is this collective um, community for students. I think that if we can figure out how to get this right, where, I mean, not that the youth pastor has to know every kid's teacher, but at least I'm asking what's going on in school. And I can, you know, kind of encourage you and check in. Um, and I know that's changed. It's kind of an old school model. My mom talks about when she got in trouble, she'd get in trouble at school and then she'd hear it from the neighbor and she'd hear it from the guy who worked at the corner store before she got home, everybody along the way. And so you're going to get you and you better straighten it up. I know it's a different time from there, but still there's a responsibility of all of us to, to nurture our kids and show them some support and love on them and not just the youth leader because coming to youth group will not fix your kid. It is our job, though, to to guide them and disciple them and lead them into a relationship with Jesus. Who can save them? Right. <laughs> Amen. But uh, uh, not our job. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Akilah, if you don't mind just clarifying, because kind of the uh, devil's advocate in my head is saying, yeah, but we're paying you. Ah, right? yeah. So so I think the question comes is and I think if you were able to address those parents kind of in a broad sense, how would you clarify or define the job description of a youth leader? Yeah, I think we're, you know, um, we're all partners in this and you are paying me and there, there are very specific things that I'm supposed to do. So there are youth group nights and there are missions trips and there are Bible studies, there are all those things, but uh, it's not our sole job to, um, to raise, <laughs> to raise, to raise children. Um, I think if we start to think of youth ministry as a partnership with parents. Um, I think it starts to change a little bit of that language of, but we're paying you. I mean, if we start out the discussion, like when a youth leader is hired or, you know, however a youth leader comes into a certain congregation, if congregations can get into the language of this is a partnership between parents and youth leaders and the church, um, then some of that kind of, but we're paying you and you should be doing this will, uh, will not be as, as, as loud as it usually is in churches. I totally love that too, because just thinking about our churches in greater New Jersey, we have a ton of churches who don't have a paid 
youth leader, right? We have all these places to aren't paying anybody. I mean, and you said you come from a church, there were like 25 people in that Baptist church in Dayton. You said, right? So creating communities that would be accepting of young people, that feels like, you know, whether you're full-time or part-time paid youth leader, it feels like something volunteers could get in on too. Yeah, I think I, I think that's absolutely right. And so instead of like my job is just with the youth who come through the door, then my job is to create and kind of facilitate this community of especially how youth engage other adults, you know, like how is um, I, 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 I don't know if we, if folks know this. So I, I do a little bit of coaching with ministry architects and an organization called Ministry Incubators. And one of the biggest things that I'm hearing a lot is just the communication between youth and adults in congregation. Um, like it doesn't happen because youth don't know how to engage adults in the way they want to be engaged. And adults just don't know how to talk to young people at all. And it, the time they don't talk to them, they talk at them. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Kids get really defensive and they're like, it's really funny this past Sunday have an older person who just blew an opportunity to talk to some kids this Sunday. You know, they're kind of on their phones at church and she she rolled up a bulletin and like popped them in the back of the head. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, get off the phones. Like, you're not, this is church. You're not supposed to do that. So automatically in these junior high kids' minds, they're like, well, now all adults suck because like you just hit me with a bulletin when she could have just waited until they weren't hurting anybody, waited till after church and then had a moment with them. Hey, let me talk to you. You know, what are you doing? Explain them. You know, it could have been a, a better situation. But now she's got a group of junior high kids who are afraid of her and now don't like her a whole lot. Because <laughs> they're, you know, just not knowing how to communicate, especially with um, middle school and high schoolers is is an issue. It's great. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> No. It's not great. But. No, it's not great. No, but <laughs> the challenge is there. Yeah. yeah. As, I, as I'm talking with you and I read, read your blog post, which was an amazing blog post, I couldn't help but think back at my own years when I was a youth pastor and I experienced burnout. Uh, I was, I was um, serving there for about four years and I was burnt out. And I find that this is not an uncommon occurrence. Uh, it's no secret that burnout is very frequent with youth leaders. Why do you think that is? I don't think I knew what burnout was until I um, found myself a couple years into youth ministry as a leader and couldn't really explain why I wanted to like, jump in my car and keep driving until the gas ran out um, because I was, I was tired. I was exhausted. I think it's this pressure to perform and produce um, and I know other ministry leaders probably have the same pressure. It's a little different when you're a youth leader, right? Because the turnover is really fast. Your high school kids are grad. There's a new group constantly coming in. Um, and I, you know, from a lot of like, senior pastors to youth pastors, they want numbers. They want to know how many are showing up. <laughs> right. You know, it's this, it's this pressure to perform. It's this pressure to produce these fantastic events and trips and games. And so you're trying to entertain kids, at, but you're also trying to disciple, disciple kids. And you're trying to keep parents happy. And you're trying to keep your boss happy and a congregation happy. All at the same time, trying to live your own life. You're, right, right. Because there is this whole thing of like your own life, like you exist 
somewhere outside the church. Uh, and so there's, yeah, this, this pressure. And there's also, I realize comparison of like what the youth leader down the street is doing or, you know, the, the beauty and curse of social media is you can see what everybody's doing and everybody puts their good stuff up of like the fantastic youth night you have when all of your kids were in tears, crying in worship. And you're like, I can't get my kid to like find the right Bible verse on their phone or Lord help them pick up an actual Bible. And so this is also like comparison of other youth, of what other folks are doing. Um, and also again, like, I think ignoring our, our own, just ignoring our own selves, like ignoring the rest of our life because we're a bit consumed. I, my father asked me, um, I was in my thirties and he said, do you ever plan on getting married? And I said, yeah. He said, well, you're never, you're never going to get married if you're always hanging out in the youth group room. Cause I'm pretty sure it's illegal to marry one of your youth group kids. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> basically, you know, basically you telling me like, you got to get out. Like you can't, I was, I was spending late nights, you know, like preparing things or if kids needed to hang out later after youth group, we had a kind of a five to six day youth group going on. So I was at the church every single day. Kids were there like all day, all night. And I was there with them and uh, realizing that I was totally, totally neglecting like my own self care and just myself. So that can happen. And, and it leads to burnout for sure. So how can churches help youth leaders and volunteers to lead successful, healthy lives? And then what can youth leaders and volunteers do themselves to make sure they're living successful, healthy lives? I think it's the list of the same, uh, the list is, is the same for both of them. Um, and these are things I wish I knew going into youth ministry a thousand years ago. Um, I think setting, uh, setting goals, setting, but realistic goals right at the, the outset of like when you start. So it goes in expectations. Um, so what the congregation expects, and I know it's in a job description, but you know, once you're in there, that job description gets real loose. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, they're usually pretty loose to begin with. Pretty loose. To, and yeah. you know, the youth leader then becomes the worship leader and the second janitor and all kind of stuff. And so, Yep. Yep. You know, have, have, yeah. And so I think setting some expectations and I think it requires the youth leader to also set early boundaries. Um, and so um, especially if you're single, um, I used to say and I get myself in trouble all the time. Well, I'm not going to say especially if you're single. I'm going to say for both. Call me anytime. If you need anything, you call me anytime is the worst thing a youth leader can say because a kid will call you for anything at any time. Um, and, you know, you want to be there for things that pop up, but I think we have to learn how to set boundaries. Um, and then the congregation has to set boundaries as well. Uh, yeah. Many a times like, oh, like she can stay. It, it'll be fine. Or, or he can stay. He's a youth leader. He's supposed to be there. But if the congregation, you know, notices that a youth leader has been at the church multiple nights, late nights, maybe asking, where do you need some help? Um, where can we step in and maybe give you some support? So I think if churches could set early some support systems for youth workers, and if it's not set for the youth worker to say, hey, are there some support systems that we can put in place for me as I lead this ministry um, could be really, really helpful. And for congregation leaders to be available 
Um, and then I think that could come in the form of like very um, intentional of like, these are the three people that is going to be the, the youth leader team. And they're praying for you. Like, not that everybody else isn't praying for you, but these folks are checking in with you. They're making sure you got everything. I, mean, I was blessed to work at a church where it was unsaid, but there were at least three people at that church who were making sure I was okay. They were making sure we, like my apartment was all right, you know, making sure I was eating okay. If I was looking a little crazy, are you sleeping at night? Like what's going on? It had nothing to do with youth ministry, but it had to do with my my personal well-being. And it made all the difference. Um, it's why I stayed there for 12 years. And, you know, I probably would have stayed longer if God didn't say it was time to move. But I stayed there long because they took really good care of me. That's awesome to hear. It's good to hear that there's a there are systems, church systems that work and church systems that encourage the youth leader like that. Um, we're very excited that you're going to be the keynote speaker for the upcoming Ignite Youth Leaders Day on February 9th. And the theme this year is replenish an opportunity for youth leaders across GNJ to come together to replenish their souls and invigorate their spirits. So uh, what can someone who is coming to this event expect to learn from you? Well, um, I, my prayer is that they walk away with, uh, I'm a practical kind of guy. And so um, I'm, I'm that they can walk away with at least one or two tools to take home. Um, and when they feel kind of this sense of, of burnout and, and emptiness, that they'll have something to reach back into. Um, I'm, I'm praying that, um, you know, if they're starting to feel that 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 sense of, of of emptiness or like their souls are it's it's hard to put into words but if they're starting to feel it that that this event that this moment this time together um, can confirm that they are not alone and that there is hope at the end of the tunnel um, and that it's not over yet like the burnout doesn't mean it's over it just means we have to adjust some things um, and start to pour back into um, back into our souls and back into ourselves and, and be open to what God has for us. So that's my prayer. It's great. It's going to be great. So, uh, we have some youth leaders and volunteers listening. I wonder if there's one more thing you'd like to say to all our youth leaders, our volunteers, our pastors who work with youth. Uh, what else would you tell them? Anything, uh, anything that's in your mind right now? Um, well, I, I hope that, you know, a lot of folks listening will come to leaders day. And if you do, Please, if you're listening now and you're going to be there in February, come and tell me that you heard this so that I can meet you um, and, uh, and give you a hug. Coming into a new year, um, coming into a new season is a great opportunity to really um, kind of set, set ourselves up again. I love fresh starts. I love, you know, having like this moment where you can take everybody else is starting fresh. Why not join in in the bunch and say, you know what? I'm going to start doing this self-care thing for myself and um, setting some time aside to get closer to God or get closer to my family or, you know, just just take care of myself. So I, I would um, if you're listening, take care of yourself. It's a chaotic time in this world. and You know, turn on the news and it gets I don't know about you, but I get a little discouraged sometimes. And so I'm looking for ways to really replenish myself. Where's the future of youth ministry headed? Mm, that's a big question. Um, I, you know what? I'm really hopeful about the future of youth ministry. And I know there's Amen. some folks out there who are like, oh, 
it's declining because things are changing and, you know, kids have a lot of things. There's, there's so much that's different, but I'm hopeful because there's so much, there's so much that's different. Like we have the, the world at our fingertips. We can do anything. Like it's so the possibilities are endless. And I think this is a generation of super creative and energetic and brilliant young people. And if adults are paying attention, um, youth ministry is headed into something really beautiful and exciting. If we're not paying attention, I think we can miss a moment um, for God to do something great in the lives of young people that'll just spread throughout generations. So I'm hopeful. I think it's going to be great. Too bad I'm getting older. I don't know. <laughs> Akila, we're so excited that you came on the podcast and we're so happy that we're going to see you on February 9th. But before we let you go, we have one last question. And this is a question that we ask all our guests. Uh, we are the Uncovered Dish podcast. This is in reference to covered dish dinners that are very popular in churches. And so our last question is this. Akila, if you could have one dish for the rest of your life, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, no variations, what would that one dish be? My husband's family is um, of Haitian descent. And so my mother-in-law is a wonderful Haitian woman and she makes a soup and I'm probably going to say it wrong. And if she listens to this, I apologize. I think it's called Jomu, Jomu, but it is this, um, it's like a pureed squash with vegetables and she does it with chicken or turkey in it. And I will eat that. I, I think that's the, the food that's waiting for me in heaven. It'd have to be good Haitian soup. Good Haitian soup. The heavenly banquet of Jomu, right? You said, there we go. <laughs> uh, Akila, if someone wanted to get in contact with you, what would be the best way? You can email me at Akila, A-Q-U-E-E-L-A-H dot Lagande, L-I-G-O-N-D-E at ministryarchitects.com. You can find me on Facebook. Um, at Akila Lagande, and um, you can find me on Instagram. Although I'm not too great at Instagram, <laughs> at RevQ underscore NYC. RevQ NYC. All right, I'll be sure to follow you. <laughs> Once again, everyone, that was Reverend Akila Lagande. She is the uh, she is on the executive board of Gen On Ministries and a consultant through Ministry Architects. She will be the keynote speaker at the upcoming Ignite Youth Leaders Day on February 9th. Akila, we are so excited that you came on the podcast, and we hope to see you again in February. Thanks so much. Thank you, guys. Ignite Youth Leaders Day. Workshops help you find your way. Ignite Youth Leader Day.